This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 110 of With Love and Justice for All, the official podcast of Project Sanctus, where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, with a special emphasis on the challenges that arise as spiritual seekers. I am your co-host, Reverend Ogan Holder, here with my partner in crime consciousness and co-creation, Reverend Kelly Isla. How are you today, Reverend Kelly? I'm pretty good. I'm feeling a little sniffly. I'm hoping it's not a cold coming on. <clears throat> but I'm um, looking forward to today talking about pleasure and self-care and more dismantling the patriarchy. Yes, we will we will continue to chip away and I hope that your sniffle is not COVID, which I just got over if our listeners have been wondering where we've been for the last week, <laughs> two weeks. It was because I uh had COVID. I went to Portugal and I spent a few days in Portugal with a partner and a friend of mine, had a wonderful time. I brought back great memories, great photos, and a great virus. COVID. And um, even though I started to feel better after, what was it, four or five, like four days, you know, I came back, came back last Wednesday. It's only been really a week, hasn't it? Has it been? No, it's been more than a week. Yeah. Yeah. It was week, time week, sort week. of gets oh, foggy time, with COVID. Time loses everything. Yeah. Um, it wasn't last Wednesday, but the week before Wednesday, I came back from Portugal, started feeling symptoms Friday. I was laid out Saturday, Sunday, most of Monday. I started to feel a little bit better by Tuesday. By Thursday, I was feeling like, you know, 85, 90%, but throat tickle, throat cough has mostly persisted. Um, it's almost all gone. But if I devolve into a hack and cough and forget to <laughs> mute my mic, you'll know why. You know, yeah. I'm thinking uh, it's just uh, sniffly. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm holding. It's not COVID. I've had, I've had it three times. I'm good. All right. Well, this is my number. This is my number three. We're all caught up now. Okay. Good. Yeah. We're, we're, we're even. We're even. It's a, it's a draw, and let's hope there are no winners. Um, and Mm. let's hope all of our listeners around the world are all healthy. Today, in the over 30 countries around the world that tune into our podcast, we're very grateful for your listenership. Please continue to spread the word about us. And if you want to join in on the conversation or have any questions, comments, queries, even criticisms, we will take them all. You can reach us on the social medias, Facebook and Instagram at Get Our Holy On. 
um, you can leave us a message, a uh, voicemail at 413-GET-HOLY. That's 413-438-4659. Um, and you can even email us, either Kelly or Ogan at projectsanctus.com. Today is part three of our series of dismantling the patriarchy. If you have been keeping up, we had these optimistic and really, really naive idea that I we forgot about that. <laughs> you forgot? How could you forget about that? It, it has been a while. We, yeah, we thought we thought we'd do a two-part episode on dismantling the patriarchy. Yeah. In in real time, we realized that, no, we would need a lot more episodes for that. So we're covering it in the course of five episodes, different different areas of, of our life, how patriarchy shows up and impacts us like the virus it is. And today we're talking about pleasure and self-care. So how patriarchy informs and infects our ideas and practices of pleasure and of uh self-care and that's the intro i'm already tired <laughs> maybe i'm not and, as I was, as I, and i was thinking like yeah even five episodes isn't enough <laughs> yeah there's but, uh, there's that but, but we gotta wrap it up we gotta wrap it up i know some, so we're just some... snorkeling not scuba diving Exactly. Exactly. Tell us what uh, we have coming up on our Project Sanctus <clears throat> schedule. Yep, we have. So we are. Well, oh, happy Halloween. It is. We are recording on October 31st. So happy Halloween to those who uh, take part in the in that. Um, I love Halloween. I loved it growing up. We always made costumes and, um, you know lots of candy and then you swap out candy with whoever because somebody likes this but not that um so that was a squirrel moment but because i was about to say that uh tomorrow is the first wednesday of the month tomorrow being november 1st we're recording on october 31st which is how i got to halloween and uh it's our um monthly communal affinity group the first wednesday of every month 7 30 eastern is we join communally and you can go to projectsanctus.com and register for that. And then on the third Wednesday of every month, we have the affinity group where um, I facilitate the group for those that identify as white bodies and uh, Ogan facilitates the group for people that identify as BIPOC. And um, first and third Wednesdays, but this already tomorrow is the first Wednesday. Uh, so it's, it's a communal group, it's for everybody to come together and we just learn how to be in this, um, you know, to dismantle racism and doing it together and learning to build trust and and, um, and just connecting uh, with each other. Uh, Ogan has a men better together. That's what the group is called. And um, if you can't figure out from the title, it is for men, those who identify as men, uh, the second and the fourth Wednesday at eight o'clock Eastern time. and um, I believe on it's on, people need to register on your website, Ogan. Yes, uh, revoganholder.com/slash/men. It's a it's a basically a support group and a you know in conversation group for men who would love to heal from the internalized patriarchy. So um come join us uh, our last group we had a great discussion about rejection how we handle mm -hmm. rejection uh what what uh 
tools we have to navigate rejection and and how rejection impacts or influences our idea of masculinity so yeah we had a we had a great conversation and um and we had we had some new participants so that so uh we've had two gatherings so far and you know it's i would say it's it's a little early to tell but so far the group is growing Good. I'm excited. Yeah. I wish there were more men's groups. I just think it's necessary in our world. Indeed. Uh, indeed. There's a, I more, more often than not, I'll see you know, women's groups. Um, those, those are, which, you know, is about what we're talking about today, the patriarchy. But before I go yes. down that road, um, just want to remind people that you can support our podcast. You can support everything that we do. Um, we are the interns and the CEOs and the um, the night watchmans <laughs> and the CFOs and the middle management. So to keep our train rolling. Uh, we always ask for donations and you can visit projectsanctus.com, donate and click donate. And um, any, any uh, financial contribution is always, always very much appreciated and supports us in it's not just keeping the lights on, but for our time for, you know, we have other expenses and to keep um, bringing, you know, conversations of anti-racism and dismantling systems of oppression to continue to to foster liberation and bring that out into the world. So projectsanctus.com donate. Uh, thank you very much ahead of time. And so coming back to our topic. Uh, when I said that it seems like there's more women's group than men's groups that that I see advertised, I, for me, that's that's how I see it. That's my been my experience, and I think that's you know, uh, you know, a demonstration, an outpicturing of what we're talking about, patriarchy. That um, you know, it's it's okay for women to join together, and God knows what they do when they're together, just women, right? What do they talk about? But we can assume, and I we wait, know wait, they're wait. talking about feelings. Wait, don't don't you attend? <laughs> what do you mean? What do they do? Well, I do, I do, but I, I'm just teasing. But it's the same. But but I said that because anytime that you're, um, so like a men's group, right? Um, I I don't think there's. There we see many of them because there's this unconscious, unexamined assumption that, you know, they're going to be touchy feely, and that's you know, well, men can't get touchy feely, and you know, just a whole litany of of yes. um, patriarchal messages. And so, what that's so today we're talking about it specifically in terms of pleasure and self care, and groups are uh, for me the group that you're having that you're hosting and and. Um, and other groups similar to that are a form of self-care um, and yes. for repairing ourselves, for, you know, taking care of ourselves, even though um, we've been taught and socialized that, you know, self-care is something you have to earn, you know, or it's something if you have time to fit into your schedule, right? Like I got it where on my calendar is a block that I can stick in self-care. I mean, that thinking in and of itself is quintessential patriarchy you know do i have time um as opposed to it's it needs to be just like you know if you brush your teeth and you're not thinking about it you know just and self-care is not 
sometimes people think it's the day at the <clears throat> day at the spa, you know, getting a massage or a pedicure. And it goes, it's, it could be that, but there's so much more to it that is, um, about restoring and repairing, um, and, uh, you know, resting and restoring and repairing, but mostly the restoration and the repairing and, you know, repairing ourselves and, and, um, yeah, we're, and, and just, and so today I think we're also kind of going to unpack the, uh, you know, how men are expected to practice self care, you know, in some ways, but not others. And then the same thing is true for women. And it's not something we, I think, talk about often or even acknowledge that it exists. Well, I love that you mentioned the day at the spa because I love me a spa day. Mm-hmm. I love me a pedicure. I love me some hot stones. I love me just like, you know, all those things. Things which traditionally, um, um, I would say aren't labeled, described as marketed to men. Um, right. you, you know, and it's interesting because you see these images of um ancient rome which apparently we men are thinking about all the time um (laughs) by the way i mentioned oh did you not hear about this about how how often men think about ancient roman empire oh yes (laughs) yeah yeah i was kind of surprised when i heard that because i was like yeah i'm not i'm not in that group i have no idea what that's about but um, but you know, we, we, we see these images of, of men at the, at the baths, the Roman baths and all the things, but you know, in today it's like, yeah, a day at the spa with robe, you know, getting your robes and get cucumbers over your eyes and someone's working on your, on and your toenails and also right? a face mask, right. Is, you know, it's one of those things that's become very genderized and, and pamp that kind of pampering. So when we talk about patriarchy's influence, it's, it's, you know, patriarchy is about, um, uh, uh, assigning, you know, traits, roles, all the things to specific genders and then, and then putting them in a hierarchy whereby the masculine things are valued more than the feminine things. And, and if a man engages in so-called feminine things or something wrong with them and, um, and generally women, if you describe, if, if they describe two masculine things, well, they're either shut out or shamed or, or feel like they have to embrace masculine traits and qualities in order to, um, get ahead and, pro- and, and progress. And we, we talked about this when, you know, I think it was last week or last episode when we talked about the workplace and, yeah. and women having to, to dress and behave like men in order to be taken, taken seriously and, um so so the so the idea is you know assigning certain pleasurable activities again as masculine or feminine and judging ourselves and others by how we take part in it quick side note quick side note i'm here in still here in casablanca um with one of my partners and and her her mother and brother live here and her sister and nephews are currently visiting from France and mm. none of them had ever seen an episode of the great British Bake Off. So oh. one night we're trying to find something to watch on TV and we're scrolling through Netflix and I realized, oh, a new season has started. So I'm very excited. And they're all like, well, what is this? So I was like, what? You've never seen this. So, so I put it on. And we start watching, 
And at first, they are having the exact same response I had when I started watching the British Bake Off. I'm sorry, I'm just going to watch a bunch of rank amateurs, like, cook? What, what, is, what, is, what is this nonsense? But sure enough, by halfway in, everybody's hooked. Yeah. And by the end, by the end of the episode, you know, um, it's, you know, everyone's making their predictions about who's going to stay and who's going to go. And I think we had two, maybe three episodes of the new season. And every single time I was 100% correct in who was staying and who was going. And everyone's marveling. And I reminded them, I got like 10 seasons of this under my belt. Right. Right. And now this is going. But what was fascinating in this in this British Bake Off show that I absolutely love is how many men participate in this and how many men, when you look at their story, something like cooking was something that was used as a like a bonding activity with with their mother or or a grandparent, um, mm-hmm. usually usually a female parent or you know the mother or the grandmother um but but a a, a, an activity that was normally relegated to women cooking is you know being embraced by these men of all ages of all ethnicities and um and it's something that they do purely for pleasure like, right. you know, if you've never seen a British Bake Off, none of the participants, I don't even want to call them contestants, but participants, none of them are professional right. bakers, right? right? This is all, and I'm, and I got to be honest, like I'm watching the show, I want to do the little backstory. This person is an accountant and they play rugby or they play football on the weekends right. and they do this and then they're baking for like hours during the week. And I'm like, who has the time? Right? I know, like, I know. <laughs> my, my now fully American sensibility is like, who has the time to do all these yeah. things? And they're practicing, they're practicing for hours during the wee hours of the morning for this thing. But anyways, but, but, and, and her two nephews, uh, my partner's two nephews, they're like 11 and 15, and they're absolutely hooked on the show. And it's just wonderful to see that they're receiving this image of of yes we we cook now the irony of something like cooking is that you know um professional chefs especially at the higher levels mm-hmm. of the culinary world are still predominantly men yep i was you know? just thinking that yep. so it's this it's this weird twist of when you're a profession mm-hmm. professional as a man right. cooking a-okay um but, but if it's the, a hobby or just something pleasurable or just your daily life, your home, yeah. right? Yeah. You, you're yeah. the one who predominantly. So there's, there's still a lot of sort of like stigma around that, um, for, for men and, and tip of the hat to the patriarchy for that. So I'm glad that the British Bake Off show is doing its part to sort of like, you know, shift that image and shift that, uh, represent representation. Um, yeah. of, of, of that. But again, then they also, the question becomes like, how pleasurable is it? Because they seem like they're under a lot of stress when they're cooking on the British Bake Off show. And again, I didn't, I didn't plan for this much time to be talking about British Bake Off, but you know, and then the other fun part of it is that 
is that while we're waiting for the new episodes to drop, we we're now going back and watching previous uh, oh yeah previous seasons previous ten uh, seasons yeah right to 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 fill to fill the time yeah um, yeah and anyways so I got I got distracted my bad um, <laughs> well it is a it is you know there's a lot of things about the show that that you know kind of chip away and break the norms um, you know they there there will invariably be you know um, one of the one of the men that's a you know participant is the stay-at-home dad you know yes. who takes care of the kids and cooks so there's a you know a, a flip of a gender role there they there are multiple times that um you know one of the participants uh you know their spouse is you know they're they're in a same-sex marriage um yes. you know and it's just and none of it is and it's all it just is like there's not any hoopla around whatever the person's you know religion or you know gender identity or sexual expression or you know family unit or you know they're just it's one of the things i actually really like about the show and it's been that way from the beginning yes yes it yes it has been and um and um you know speaking as a fellow stay-at-home parent um this the the idea of the idea of the father being the one who stays at home in that traditional homemaker role i think the 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 consciousness around that has really shifted so yeah. it's it's not it's not as unusual a thing anymore which i think is a great sign of progress and it's still in certain places in the world certain cultures is still very um, it's still very stigmatized. I'm here in Morocco. Trust me, I mm. it might be. I don't think anyone here knows of any man who's staying at home to cook and raise the, and kids. Right. <laughs> you, you, yeah. You know? uh, no. Even even my own country, Barbados, not which which arguably is a little more gender progressive. It's still that's still not the norm. Um, in the U.S., <clears throat> I don't know that it would be. It's the norm, but it's definitely no longer uh, a weird taboo thing. Um, so, anyways, um, again, digress. But yeah, um, what we what we're gonna do today is break down some categories of pleasure and self care, like uh, you know, like uh, physical, emotional um sexual mental spiritual um and and take a look at how the patriarchy impacts um pleasure and self-care in those in those areas um even 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 relational um so mm -hmm. so we're uh let's jump in on uh i think let's jump in on on physical um sure. because um i know that um, and, and let's talk about your experience because I know that, you know, a while back, I don't I forget how long it's been when you injured your knee and, and a little over a year, of, yeah. a little over a year. And part of your rehab has been basically like powerlifting. Yeah. Uh, weight training. So <laughs> weight training. So you and, and, and you've, you've noticed some interesting things about men and weight training. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have, which, you know, aren't necessarily a shocker. You know, there's the stereotypes. Um, which the patriarchy helps, you know, keep going. Um, yeah. But um, I, I just, before I go down that road, I just want to 
um, really drive home the idea again that self-care uh, and, and it's pleasure for the sake of pleasure, right? I, I think it's it's one of the even, you know, when we break down these different, you know, categories of the human experience, um, it's we still have to unpack and re, you know, and dismantle and remantle, you know, how we think about, you know, like stop saying guilty pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. really, really change the consciousness of how we hold pleasure. Um, and it, pleasure is oftentimes people think sexual when you say pleasure and it's, it, yes, that's included, but anything that brings us joy that's pleasurable, just do it. Not if you have time, make it part of, you know, it's how, it's how we step out of grind culture. Um, is oh, to- I, I want to go back to something you said earlier, which you talked, when you talked about, um, putting it in your schedule yeah. and, um, and, and yes, the eventual goal is to just make it part of your, your daily routine and, you know, people putting it in their schedule is a huge step forward yes. to actually yeah. consciously set aside time for it, um, as opposed to leaving it as an afterthought for when you right. get all the to-do list things completed and then maybe we'll look at it, but actually prioritize it. Um, and, and put it in your schedule is a, is a great step. Yes. Cause what you'll notice is if you, um, that if you keep your schedule, right. And you've got it in here from two to three, I'm doing whatever. And you go ahead and do that. What is likely to happen for many people is everything will come that why, how this is a waste of your time or I have other things I need to do. You're thinking about your list of things to complete stuff for work, stuff for family will, you know, for many people that will surface when you're, you know, engaged in just pleasure for the sake of pleasure, uh, because that's how we've been socialized. And if you do skip, like you have it in your calendar and you don't do it, you know, what the, all the, the mental chatter that comes up about why, you know, well, I had to do this, I had to, you know, and you really start to see and learn your uh, patriarchal operating system. You're muted. Yes, indeed. That was worth unmuting for. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so back to the back to the weight training, the physical, you know, and how patriarchy, uh, how the, the patriarchal norms, you know, kind of infiltrate physical, our physical human experience. Um, so I I have my my um, experience with weight training, and and um, weightlifting and and really what i'm doing is actually it's called trauma-informed weightlifting but what i've noticed and what i've discovered that was already a stereotype but i didn't have a lived experience of it is i go to the to where my gym is and um you know there's certain um you know deadlifting and uh, you know other practices that i have and generally i have to wait for the the deadlifting you know space and there's usually these young men, um, I, I, from time to time, call them boys, because you could tell they're, you know, high school, 18, and they seem like boys at my age now. Um, but these young men, kind of the 18 to 22, and they're just, you know, they're very much attached to do these, um, 
uh, you know, the, the weight training and the deadlifting and uh, this, it, it's like the testosterone in the room is just, is a little overbearing. And I find myself um, like wanting to, I find myself kind of holding back, you know, like, well, cause I'm an older woman and I'm overweight and I got to wait my turn. And I find myself a little bit intimidated and, you know, it's really an exercise or practice for boys, you know, to be right. deadlifting and, and powerlifting. And so I find myself, you know, at times feeling a little intimidated or, you know, even just wanting to claim my space, like, excuse me, people are waiting. Um, you know, can you, and it just, it's just what I'm experiencing is that stereotypical, you know, guy thing and ARG and testosterone. And, and I can find myself just pulling away, which is, mm. you know, I'm an older, overweight woman. Like, this is not the place. Women yeah. like me don't deadlift. And I'm like, well, yeah, we do. But you don't see a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's that. There's that. And I remember conversely, or rather from the male perspective side of things, I remember when I started weightlifting, I felt that pressure to create a certain muscular physique, mm. um, you know, that sort of emulated the bodybuilders and sort of emulated like comic book characters. And what's interesting about that is when we, when we, when we look at the characters, at those characters, especially like, you know, superheroes, comic books, that sort of thing, that muscular image, um, a lot of, a lot of, that imaging is created by men for men. And when you look at the women in like comic books and stuff like that, their bodies are hypersexualized, you know, big boobs, very slender hips, big butts created mostly again by men for men. Um, because if you were to ask the average woman, what's her ideal male body type, it's not this like you know extreme bodybuilder type physique at all so it's 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 interesting how that how that rolls out and how men perceive that this is what they have to look like to yeah. be physically attractive to women no that's being physically attractive to other men and it's it's really then again about and you know let me be clear and saying if you want to look like that there's nothing wrong with wanting to look like that it's always the why right it's always the, the motivation behind it and i remember coming to that realization and shifting how i did my my weightlifting so it became less about bulking up and more about lifting for strength and endurance which right. is two different types of exercises yeah. totally <laughs> yeah i can't tell i think they're doing it i don't i don't i wouldn't say that's why they're doing it because <laughs> there's this energy of kind of showing off for each other it's not it's not horrible sure. but but me i i just i can feel myself at times shrinking away and then there's the times when i'm watching them you know lifting and i see how much they're lifting and i think oh dude just you know, I'm so I got I can lift so much more. Go go play on the other machines. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They they're there to 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 I call bro bonding 
over yes. you know yes what what yeah. they what they feel they they should look like um and and also part of part of patriarchy's um influence around men and self care is that there's that expectation that 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 we men should be more physical whether right. it's sports um you know or we should do more violent self care things like like hunting or you know rugby it's rugby you know all all the all the things um and as we as we look at the state of like sports today there's been great um e- um like gender equalization right so they aren't sports i can't think of a sport that you know is specifically for men or specifically for women like i remember growing up only men played cricket like right. competitively or officially right. now now it's it's men and women um you know and but what's interesting is even though there's that space has been made or rather <laughs> women women stepped up and claimed the space for themselves um in a lot of sports there's still that pay inequity yeah. of of yeah. female athletes making a lot less than male athletes in similar sports in the same sport and you know there was that old argument about well the men playing the sport it's more popular than the women playing the sport and you know in some cases that's absolutely not true um right. most most notably the women's soccer u.s women's soccer team mm-hmm. um and also female tennis players although tennis give tennis a nod they established pay equity between male and female players like a long time ago right they were one of the first sports to to really do it um at at that competitive professional competitive level so but but yeah there's there's and again physical activity is healthy for the body let's do it but we have to be careful when we pressure our young boys to play certain sports and not other sports or just play sports period um yeah i remember growing up i was not a lover of sport or particularly athletic and mm-hmm. i was teased a lot because of it um and felt very inadequate and but it was interesting then also as i got older and developed other qualities like you know um sharp intellect and biting wit <laughs> and and great musical talents uh you know that made that made me attractive um right. as well and i eventually learned like oh wait i don't i don't have to be uh athletic um and but but i still felt i still felt that pressure uh, right. this is this is what boys do boys play sports you know sort of sort of deal which is well, which especially is especially very... the, the hardcore ones the football yes. the rugby the hockey right yes. wrestling um they're just you know much harder on the body exactly exactly um and and what we have to uh realize is regard that that everyone is going to find their place of when it comes to physicality their place of pleasure and self care mm-hmm. and and we got to allow space for that um as 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 well so um well, I had to yeah ahead. so before we move on to the next one just the allowing space like I had to learn to allow space for me 
that that mm-hmm. this weight training and and you know everything I, I'm doing around it is pleasurable, and I had to make space, you know, like wait, it's okay, you know, yeah, and it doesn't matter the age or gender or whatever, um, but I had to actually, you know, give my give myself permission to to be what has historically been generally a man's world. Yes, 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 yes. Um, let's segue, since we're talking about physical pleasure and self, self-care, self let's segue into the subset of sexuality and sexual sex pleasure and, and self-care and how the patriarchy um, shows up in that arena. Uh, one of the first things that always comes to mind when I think about that is like the double standard of, for example, um, how much sex we have um a man versus a woman oh yeah the body count you know the body count this idea of which still unbelievably persists to this day that it's a it's a mark against a woman if she has had a lot of sex partners but it's a mark yeah it's a mark in favor of a man if he has and he's he gets labeled a stud so that slut versus stud um sort of sort of stigma um and judgment um and it it's it's both of which are demeaning when you think about it yes i know yes, there may yes, be, maybe someone is like you know yeah i'm a stud you know i'm studly like and and taking that on as as something positive and yet i think there's underneath it is is actually it's demeaning it is because when you when you look at the origins of the word or what what the word is originally uh, coming from is it's about you know animals that were there for the f- sole purpose of breeding and impregnating right. and and then when they could no longer do that you know they were basically you know their life was ended they were terminated they're no good anymore right. sort of deal and and that you know when we look at the history of enslaved people um, in the you know the U.S. for example. Um, they were they were men for that purpose as well to impregnate women and you know grow more slaves. Um, so so okay. it was it was it's a it there there's there's no like emotional relationship connectivity with that and that's harmful. That's not a good thing. Right. Um, and to be clear, having sex just for the pleasure aspect of it without emotional or romantic connectivity is okay i'm not judging that as right. as being wrong um i'm simply saying that um if if associating that as a feature of masculinity is not what we're after okay. um and then and then there's also the aspect of what activities and behaviors we engage in um, one of the hallmarks of patriarchy is homophobia. And yeah. for a lot of men, there's this idea of as we engage in sexual activity, um, it's basically penis centered um, and orgasm centered. And anything other than that falls outside the realm of not being masculine or manly. Or if we engage in things like anal play, for example, well, you know, if I'm a straight guy and I'm engaged in anal play, you know, don't want to do that. That's going to start me down the path of being gay. Yeah, I'm not gay. I'm not gay. 
Yeah. Exactly. And and you're depriving yourself of indeed very much heightened um sexual pleasure experience. Um so I've been told. No, from personal experience, I can tell you, you're you're depriving yourselves. Don't Yes. <laughs> I've seen it. Please. Yes, please uh please if you're if you're a man listening and and you haven't explored the wonders of anal play, you're missing out. I can tell you, you're missing out. So, so I've get on a, that. I've helped a few men over that bridge. Thank you for your service. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yeah, now but, the but, world knows. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we we since when have we held back? Come I on. know. No, so, it, well, the, I think it's, well, it's it. You know, while for some people, it, it's a perfect example of somebody listening to it is. You know, maybe going into can you say that? Like, is it okay to be that graphic? Like, too much information? Hey, it's our that, podcast. We can say whatever we want. I know, but but the fact that someone will think that points to patriarchy. Exactly, and someone's discomfort, especially a male listener, some yes. uh, discomfort around this topic, um, likely means that there's this internalized homophobia um, that you're not even aware. And again. When we talk about internalized homophobia, you know, there's always that like, well, no, I have nothing against people, you know, I don't, I have nothing against people who are gay. Some, this may sound familiar. Some of my best friends are gay. Hey, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but then when you think of something like that and you go like, wait, sexual anal play. Mm, no, I'm, I'm not into that. That's what we mean by internalized homophobia. You're not overtly homophobic, but there's that internal messaging that says this activity is 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 a characteristic or or limited to this certain group of people, and I don't belong in that group of people. I don't want to belong in that group of people. Therefore, this is not for me. And as always, my disclaimer is: you you shouldn't do a thing just for doing a thing's sake. Um, and if you tried it and it's not for you, so be it. Um, however, if you if you've never explored it or or have, or have a resistance to it, it's really important to start examining why, um, because it it might awaken you to these in to these internalized um, um, norms, these internalized supremacy norms, whether it's white supremacy or capitalism. Or in this case, patriarchy. Then, you know, and 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 part of shifting our culture away from these systems of oppression is is a lot of our personal work and how we internalize these things. And we may not even know we've internalized them until we get in right. a situation, you yeah. know. Uh, so. Well, I th- I and I want to make sure we you know pointing back. You know, we're talking about pleasure and self care and. So, you know, and it's pleasure for pleasure's sake, right? So yes. it's, it's so everything we're talking about is, um, is, and pleasure for pleasure's sake and joy and it's meaningful and just, you know, um, it, it, that's, you know, so we talked about, you know, physical body, but, and then moving into, um, sexual activity and sex and the pleasure and recognizing that we have, the patriarchy has set sex up and sexual experiences like there's a column for what's you know for the 
we've genderized it. So there's a column for what's for quote unquote men, like things they should do, you know, mm -hmm. for pleasure, sexual activity. And then there's a column for women, right? And here's yeah. what women historically do. And so, you know, what we're just inviting people into is expanding, you know, the pleasure and to go where it's uncomfortable and find out why it's uncomfortable. And like you said, if you don't like it, you don't want to go there. Ah, great. I don't know. But it's the finding out why, the allergy to it, the resistance. And that's part of the, you know, in if I'm going to expand my capacity for pleasure in every area of my life, this is one that's usually kept the most secret. And um, I think men have a harder time talking about it than women. Um, so I, yeah. I just I, I just want to make sure we're you know that it's really pleasure for pleasure's sake, and yes. it doesn't say anything about your identity to just explore and experiment. It just says that you're exactly. exploring and experimenting. And exactly. Um, and one more one more piece about the pleasure for pleasure's sake. One of the ways patriarchy delineates, uh, you know, men and women is that generally. When it comes to to sex, for men it is pleasure. For women, it's more utilitarian and service oriented. Mm. So, so sexual pleasure um, or or sex, the general idea is for women it is for you to make babies and service men. Um, and and because of that, because of that mindset, a woman having Lots of sex just for the pleasure of having sex is deemed as there's something wrong with that. Right. Right. Whereas men having lots of sex just for the sake of having lots of sex. Well, of course, he's a man. Boys right. will be boys. This is right. this is what they're supposed right. to do. That's what right. the penis is for. Hello. Ex exactly. Um, so so sex for the sake of sex, for the sake of pleasure and lots of it is A-OK -okay in my book, as long as everyone's consenting. And right. yeah, so, all right. Um, let's take a look at emotions um, because this is, this, is a, this is a huge piece, especially when it comes to, to our self-care. Yeah. Um, well, it also and, gets tied up into um, sex and, you know, uh, sexual activity and relationships. It, also, it gets tied up in that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think the obvious thing about emotion and our emotional state is um, most of us, you know, have heard or we're very familiar with, you know, it's okay for women to cry. It's not okay for men to cry, you know. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I was going to say publicly, but, and I think it also applies privately. Um, I think men, even if they're by themselves, you know, um, in a box or in a closet, you know, and there's nobody else around, I think they would still, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's some that would still stuff it down and not cry. Um, um, that that used to be my pattern until all the grief I've had to um, ex, um, navigate. Um, right. So starting with, with, with Jennifer, my wife dying in 2015, and you know the eight nine deaths that have happened since then like i have learned to be okay with crying like yeah. i'll some days i'll see a leaf falling out of a tree and i'll cry um and i don't i also no longer have an aversion to doing it in public 
mm-hmm. or in in private. And to your point, private especially. Like, yeah, I some of my best cries happen when it's just me and I am mm-hmm. just let letting go. But but there is no there's no shame in it. It's not you know and patriarchy would have men define it as being weak and being soft. Yeah. Um, and um, it's it's not that at all. And 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 not just men, but women too, which is why a lot of times, regardless of gender, when we cry in public, one of the first things we do is apologize. I know. I just said that to someone a few days ago. I, I found myself saying, sorry. And, and they looked at me like I was crazy. I go, oh, my God, I can't believe I just said that. Like, because I was so into the emotion and, and I was feeling so fragile and vulnerable. It just you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's not, uh, it's even, even in my like private coaching that I do, I will have clients, uh, you know, and it's, and it's grief counseling, by the way, like spiritual coaching and grief counseling and somebody starts crying and they apologize. And it's usually, it's, it's usually uh, a male client who will do that. They will apologize for crying and i was like there is no need if there's any space where it's okay for you to be crying this is the one one of them actually told me you have made me cry more than anyone in my entire life <laughs> i was like well done. you're welcome yeah you're welcome. Yeah, yeah you're welcome yeah you clearly you clearly needed to do it <laughs> well it's and that is a, a function of um you know and it's about our emotional health is if i'm crying then i'm going to make you uncomfortable so you're yes. going to have feelings that you don't enjoy or are uncomfortable and it comes back to that you know white supremacy cultural norm of right to comfort so i yes. can't do anything that's going to interrupt your comfort level so we say oh sorry um and it's so toxic it, and it's so yeah. automatic that it it actually makes my heart hurt. Um, yeah. Yes. What and uh, what I have what I have enjoyed seeing more and more is um, and I see this in podcasts. I see this in, in videos. Um, you mentioned men's groups earlier. They they are increasingly more spaces that advocate for and support men being vulnerable. Yeah. And and I'm I'm here for it. Um, I love it. Um, in many cases, it is still you know kind of sort of restrained, and we got to sort of put that little like macho edge on it, um, uh, sort of sort of deal. But but it's it's beautiful to see when it happens, and it's very it's very liberating uh, to see. And that's that's what we do, especially as men, if we are being vulnerable with each other, crying with each other, um, expressing our feelings with each other. We're liberating ourselves from a patriarchal script that tells us this is not what men do. Um, and, right. and why it's more important, why it is important for us to have more spaces like this just for men is because men have this unconscious habit of dumping the emotional labor onto the women in their life um and and their girlfriends their wives you know if they don't go to therapy this is what this is what they're doing that uh using the women in their lives to do to do their emotional process work and 
it's not that women uh you know uh the women in their lives may not want to do that or supportive of that but you know if you're not conscious of that's what you're doing then yeah. you're you're putting labor on them that they may or may not have consented for um or consented to yeah and you know uh, repressing that vulnerability like not allowing yourself to be emotionally vulnerable um it, it can be dangerous for some men because you do that long enough and that you lash out in physical violence yes because it's been so then you know and along with that and if not you know lashing out in physical violence it certainly can leaves you you know leave you alienated and you're just isolated you know from yes. your feelings you're isolated from your interior world you know it's where some mental health issues can pop up um and and if you're isolated and alienated then you're not going to connect with other people you know the way that you you know that's probably meaningful or the way you might like to and you may not even have the words to know how you would like to connect with a person or how you would like a relationship to be but um you know it's 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 not just allowing the space to express the emotions but being able to name them like it, you know that's yeah. a, um a whole other learning right expanding yes. on our emotional health is being able to name them yes uh, um so yeah it's uh i think the the it, I, I don't i was going to say i think one of one of the deadliest and uh most violent things that you know the patriarchy has you know infiltrated and and socialized you know the most harmful way it shows up is this emotional thing because it disconnects us it just it connect it disconnects us you know if i'm not connected to my emotions i'm not connected to my body if i'm not connected to my emotions i'm not connected to you and there's just yeah. this huge domino effect and it's not that you know the other areas aren't important i just think caring for myself emotionally just has a a a major impact on so many other areas um yeah. of my life yeah yes it yes it does um where are we on time i've been so uh, involved we're in probably, this discussion we've probably run out of time but <laughs> just can we, like can we two episodes to five episodes you know to 15 well yeah. it's our podcast we don't want can we can we talk about the spiritual component real quick yeah sure um and 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 maybe maybe wrap up with that um mm -hmm. and and how patriarchy has showed up in our spiritual space again we you know we have the obvious sort of um idea of of god as god is male god is man um and even though for some of us we've especially in in new thought spiritual spaces we've moved we sort of moved past that right so god is god is not male or female god just is god is spirit god is love um but but one of the things that we that we do which i got some flack for when i posted about this on social media a little while back was we still we still genderize god in a new thought space by when we speak about divine masculine and divine feminine okay. and 
I I've I've come an interest in ways on this because for me it's it's continuing that that division that genderizing right mm-hmm. I mean when you when you think about it uh, God is the God is the uh, the epitome of a non-binary being right right uh, right right and. Uh-oh. Well, we might have lost Ogin. We're still recording. So, anyway, we were talking about spiritual. I don't know if he'll be back. Oh, he's gone. Maybe he'll come back. Uh, so, we were talking about spiritual and um, the while, uh, you know, we may not say that God is masculine or father, but there's still a thinking around you know, God is a protector, um, God is savior, you're like in some masculine ways. And and we was talking about, you know, divine masculine and divine feminine. And it's really, you know, it's interesting because I'm with Ogan on this one and hopefully he'll make it back. Um, but, uh, you know, even the conversation around divine masculine and divine feminine, there's a lot of people I know, a lot of, you know, spiritual teachers out there that talk about and teach you know, divine feminine, divine masculine are very much connected to, you know, and tied to these these definitions, this, you know, sort of this paradox or polarity, these two, you know, energy systems. So it, it just is something to think about, you know, divine masculine, divine feminine, and are we perpetuating, you know, the um, a, a patriarchal thinking? The other thing, just briefly to say about um, spiritual um, aspect of our life and, and, you know, how patriarchy kind of, you know, infiltrates is that it's because it's also tied to emotions, right? These spiritual ecstatic experiences where we generally, we are still um, hesitant to, you know, to for men to express and talk about, you know, ecstatic experiences. So some of our spiritual practices are also seen as not necessarily outwardly or definitively, you know, defined as masculine or feminine, but there certainly are some practices that kind of unconsciously lean towards feminine, like even praying out loud, you know, not, I'm not talking about clergy, but I'm just talking like general population. Uh, it's a woman is going to be, you know, generally if asked to pray out loud, the, the woman is going to be more, um, it just seems more like a woman's thing to do than, than for men. Um, different kinds of meditations, different kinds of music, right, or singing. Um, there's just these different spiritual practices that can be seen, um, you know, seen as emotional and and very, emo- you know, provocative in that it, it elicits a lot of emotion. And so, therefore, it it kind of lends itself to a woman's playing field. So, Ogan. I am back. Okay. Well, welcome. I don't know. What, I don't know what just happened. I don't know, but I tried to carry on. I kept talking about. I totally missed what you said, but it was great. <laughs> Couldn't have said just, it better myself. <laughs> I just picked up on the, the you know, how even just labeling mm. it masculine and feminine is patriarchal. It is, and and when you look at a lot of the the, and you may have mentioned this, the the traits or the descriptors that we yeah. have assigned to divine masculine and divine feminine, 
many of them are very gen- uh, gender hierarchy or gender stereotypes. Yep. And and uh, yeah, folks weren't quite ready to to hear that when I said um, when I said right. something about it. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, think of think think of think about that, and it really makes me wonder why. I guess they don't want it anymore, but as to why we decided to genderize uh, divinity, right? <laughs> um, it's like there was this. It was like this need to, and and I and I and I said it many times. We create the divine in our image, not the other way around. So we assume because we are masculine and we are feminine, and that masculine looks like this and feminine looks like this. Therefore, God must have these traits. Therefore, we got to have a divine masculine, a divine feminine, if we think we've evolved past God as a male being. So, so it's, it's us projecting these labels and these stereotypes onto the divine, as opposed what? to simply saying, like, maybe the divine is none of these things right. at all. These right. are just things we've made up. Well, one of the one of the traits that um, you know, and we can uh, wrap this up unless you have more to say about spiritual practices. But one of the the traits that off you know that that you see uh, you know under the divine feminine umbrella is the the idea of the nurturing, um, and I think it really uh, does a disservice to to lay, to put that under divine feminine because you know on one hand i can understand what you're saying cognitively and yet i i just think it's a patriarchal thing and and takes away from the nurturing you know aspect and power of men as if again as 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 a father who stayed at home with a child for two years yeah. we can nurture we can nurture plenty yeah. Well, and and then so then the person would say, "Well, you're expressing your divine feminine." I'm like, maybe he's just expressing his humanity, <laughs> like, or or my divinity. Or your divinity, yeah. Needing to label it right. as masculine or or feminine, just right. just my divinity, and leave yeah. it at, leave it at that as well. Um, all right. Uh, anything else we need to cover? After oh, that. oh well, always, and we'll save it for another time. We will save it for another time. There you go. We almost need like a part two on this part three, um, but we we're not gonna do that to you. We just want to like you know um, open up the conversation and get you thinking. And um, and next week we're actually we actually kind of have a whole uh, episode I think denoted to church religion and spirituality yes. so we're yeah. going to dive into this a lot more yeah. um next time we just wanted to uh kind of touch on it because a lot of our self-care practices intersect with our spiritual practices right um, as as well so if you haven't heard the previous two episodes now is a great time to go back and listen and again get you into thinking about how patriarchy Maybe showing up in your life, in your everyday thoughts, words, and actions, regardless of your gender, because patriarchy impacts us all. Um, and it, and as we take a look at them and create new ways of being and practices outside of them, this is how we, you know, decolonize ourselves from patriarchy, and this is how we dismantle patriarchy from the culture. 
So um, thank you for joining us on this journey. Please continue to spread the word about who we are uh, with Love and Justice for All can be found on all podcast platforms. And again, if you have the one friend who doesn't know how to find a podcast on the old school interwebs, we are at with love and justice for all dot podbean.com. Please visit projectsanctus.com to get a sense of all the things we do. Please join us for our affinity groups and you can make a donation to keep the train on the tracks while you're there as well. So until we meet again, let's get our holy on. Bye.